Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Be sure to tune in to whatever Bethesda Church is doing on our website, BethesdaChurch.tv, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Now, let's jump into today's message. I'm excited about it. Make sure you make plans to be here. Invite someone to join you. Today we're going to close out our series entitled When Hell Freezes Over. Um, Have you guys enjoyed this series so far? Series on miracles. We've covered so much material uh, in this series. We've talked about miracles of protection, miracles of provision. And then last week, Pastor Jay knocked it out of the park with miracles of promise. Can you give it up, Pastor Jay, right now for... Stepping in and just knocking it out of the park. Wonderful, wonderful message. Um, I would argue when it comes to the word miracles that I believe that that word itself is losing some of its power. And I think the reason that it's losing some of its power is because a lot of people say things like, we serve a miracle working God. We believe that God does miracles, but our attitude is he'll never do it for me. We serve a miracle-working God, but I'm not sure that he would give me a miracle. I think it's losing its power because it's oftentimes wrongly used. For example, uh, you pull up to the mall, and it's crowded, and there's no parking spots, and then all of a sudden, a spot opens up up front, and you get up front at the mall on a Saturday, and you think, man, it's a miracle. That is not a miracle. A lady left Dillard's at the same time you arrived, all right? Now, if you pulled up and it's full and God gives you a Red Sea moment and he parts the cars and you get a spot, then we can call it a miracle. Um, What is a miracle? A miracle is when the God of heaven intervenes in the earth. It's when God intervenes in the earth. It's when he shows up. It's when he intervenes in my life and intervenes in your life. And I'm curious today, how many of you would say that right now you would love to see God move supernaturally in an area of your life or maybe in the area of of someone's life that you love and care about? How many would say today you would love to see God move in a specific area? Well, I got good news for you because God still does miracles. God still heals. God still delivers. God still protects. God still provides. God still shows up when the doctor's report is next. How many? God still does amazing things. He still performs miracles. And today I want to talk to you about one last message on, on, on this subject. And this is probably the least talked about miracle. And some of you may think this is a creepy kind of miracle. But I want to talk to you about miracles of deliverance. Miracles of deliverance. This is when God does miracles over the forces and the powers of darkness. And I have seen it too many times for anybody to come to me and tell me that God does not do miracles over the forces of darkness. I have seen it over and over again in my life. Um, It's when God, he exercises his authority over the powers of darkness. Now, some of you probably right now, you're thinking this message is about to get weird. 
it's going to get a little creepy in here. I don't, I don't even know that I believe in demons or the forces of darkness. Um, but I, I want to share this quote, and I'm not sure who coined this phrase, but I think it applies today, and it goes like this. The greatest trick the, dev, the devil ever played was to convince the world that he does not exist. The greatest trick that the enemy has ever played, the devil has ever played, is to convince the world that he does not exist. See, the enemy would love for you to go through life believing that he is not a force, that he is not real, that he is not working against the kingdom of God. In fact, we're going to look at a very familiar portion of Scripture from Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul lays a little foundation here in verses 12 and 13. When he says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will stand, still be standing firm. So Paul would say that Christianity is not a playground, but rather a battleground. The Apostle Paul would also fill us in on this truth that there is so much more than, than what is seen. We, we focus so much on what is seen, but there is another world that is unseen that is just as real as what you and I can see with the natural eye. And, and he says that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, and I've got to drive the point home. The battle that you are in is not against your mother-in-law. It's not against your boss. It's not against a co-worker. It's not against your spouse. It's not against somebody you go to church with. It's not against your children. You actually have a real enemy that wants to bring destruction to your life, and the battle is never with flesh and blood. There's always something behind the flesh and blood. So many times we miss it. We don't recognize that we are fighting against evil forces, forces of darkness that are attacking us. And you may say today, what's a demon? And and there's so many, um, I guess, myths about what a demon is. When we talk about the devil and we talk about demons and and so many people, what is a demon? And, And some would say a demon is the spirit of the dead. That's what they say. They, it's the spirit of the dead. In other words, it, it's kind of like this. My, my uncle John was a real hell raiser, but he died, and now he's a demon. Well, Uncle John might have been a real hell raiser, but if he's dead, he's dead. He's not a demon now. All right? So we, we got to get rid of some of the myths that are out there. Demon is not the spirit of the dead. The place that you would want to look at scripturally to find out what demons are would be Isaiah 14 in the Old Testament and Revelation chapter 12 in the New Testament. In Isaiah 14, we are given a glimpse into the life of Satan known as Lucifer. It's another name for devil. And Lucifer there, in, in summary, in Isaiah 14, he makes five statements of I will. I will be like God. I will ascend to the highest place. And he makes all these statements, and God says, there is none like me, no one besides me. And he casts Lucifer 
out of heaven, a worshiping creature, but the Bible says that one-third of the angels were also cast out, and most scholars agree that the one-third that fell with Satan make up what we know now as demons. Are you following? Are you tracking? Um, And so what do we know about demons? We know this. There is one devil, but there are many demons. One devil, but many demons. Let me, let me say it to you like this. What an angel is to God, a demon is to Satan. Angels do the work of God. They, they have assignments. They, they carry words to the people of God. They work on behalf of the kingdom. But just like an angel works on behalf of God, demons work on behalf of Satan. And if you were to ask me, Pastor, where do we get it wrong when it comes to demonology and Satan and all this kind of stuff that you're talking about today, where do we get it wrong? I believe there are two big mistakes that we make. Number one, we overemphasize demonic influence. We overemphasize. Uh, In some cultures, um, everything's a demon. I grew up in a culture where everything was a demon. Everything was a devil. Every problem was the result of of a satanic uh, attack against your life. Everything had to do with, with forces of darkness and people saying things like, I'm broke because of the devil. No, you're broke because you bought five new outfits, two new pairs of shoes, and you went on vacation. That's why you broke. Devil didn't have anything to do with that. But some people would make you believe that they are under attack. Contrary to what you want to tell yourself, the devil did not make you eat the whole thing. So everything is not a devil. Everything is not demonic influence. And, but in some cultures, we overemphasize it. And then secondly, the other mistake is that we underemphasize demonic influence. In other words, while not every problem is caused by the devil, I would argue that more problems than a lot of people realize are caused by forces of darkness. Some people don't want to pay any attention to it at all. Remember, one of the greatest tricks the enemy's ever played is that he's convinced the world that he does not exist. And so people don't recognize spiritual battles when they are spiritual battles. And so those are the two big mistakes that we make. Now, we got to ask the question, what do demons do? All right, if we're going to have deliverance and we're going to get free and operate in the freedom that Christ has provided, then we got to understand what, what do demons do? Well, number one, demons tempt you to sin. That's what they do. They want to tempt you to sin. Demons want to tempt you to sin to get you out of the will of God. Paul talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 said this in verse 6. He says, they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So ultimately, demons want to tempt you to sin to pull you out of God's will. The devil sets traps for your life. How many know that the devil sets traps for your life? He sets traps and obstacles and things that will come against you because he wants to take you captive, not to do God's will, but to do his will. And so 
in some form or fashion, demons want to tempt you to sin. So it's, I, I don't know what they sound like for you, but maybe it sounds a little like, bit like this. Smoke it. Do it. Watch it. You deserve it. Say it. Come on, y'all. Go ahead. You, you deserve this. You, you deserve to do that. And here's what we miss is that demons and the devil himself minimize sin on the front side. They minimize it. Go ahead. Everybody's doing it. It's no big deal. It's nobody's business to tell you how to live. You're not hurting anyone. You can do this. They minimize it on the front side. But after you sin, demons no longer minimize it. They now maximize it. And then you start hearing What have you done with your life? God will never love you. God will never use you. You've ruined your life. You've destroyed your life. There's no way that you have a place in the kingdom of God. They'll minimize it on the front side and maximize it on the back side. They want to tempt you to take you out of the will of God. Secondly, demons distract you from God's will. Man, if the the devil can't get you to sin... He wants to distract you. He wants to get you focused on things that are not part of God's kingdom. He wants you to be so distracted with life and you're caught up with things that you're no longer effective in the kingdom of God. I will say many people are more in tune with, what, with COVID numbers than they are in what the Holy Spirit is saying to the body. That's a problem. If you're a believer, that's a problem. If you can tell me all the latest statistics in that, but you can't tell me what God is saying in this moment, that is a problem. So many people are caught in a cycle of distraction, and the distraction turns into dysfunction, and now we're spending our energy, energy given to us by God to advance his kingdom, and instead of advancing his kingdom, we advance our opinion, our agenda, what we want to happen, and we're not doing what heaven wants to happen. Things outside of the purpose of God. They want to distract you. People right now are under the influence of, of satanic influence. And they can, it's not even that he has to get us to sin. He can get us so distracted that we are of no good to the kingdom. No good to the purposes of God any longer. Because we are distracted with things that are not a part of God's kingdom. Look at what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and 1. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So so on one level there's a level of just distraction. But how many know sometimes it goes from distraction to We're not even serving God now. We're so distracted that we're no longer serving God. We're no longer in relationship with God. Um, These deceiving spirits will lead us away from the purity of the gospel, of of the message of Jesus. For for example, uh, in, in our culture today, in the world today, some people will say, as long as you're sincere, it don't matter. 
Like you can take a little bit of Buddhist teachings and a little bit of New Age and you can mix in a little Christianity and as long as you're sincere, everything's cool. You can, you can be sincere all the way to hell. Truth is truth. And, and a lot of people are trying to mix a little bit of this and a little bit of that on their way to heaven, but Jesus still said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's not be distracted. The third thing demons do is they inflict suffering. Demons inflict suffering. There's a tragic story in the Bible of a father and his son, and his son is physically afflicted by demonic forces. You find it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17, starting in verse 15. It says, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. Jesus replied, Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. So this demon is inflicting suffering on the little boy, but at one word from Jesus, he is totally set free. What do we know about Jesus? What do we know about why Jesus came to the earth? We know that Jesus came to give us life, and to give it to us more abundantly. We know that Jesus came specifically to set the captives free. We know that he came not to be served, but he came to serve. We know that Jesus did not come for those who are healthy. Jesus came for those who are sick. Jesus did not come for the self-proclaimed righteous, but Jesus came for the sinner. At the end of the day, we have to understand Jesus came for one reason, and that was to set the captive free. Anybody thankful that he came to set the captive free? It's the whole reason as to why he came. What do we know about the devil and his mission? It's very clear. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. He does it through tempting us to sin, distracting us, inflicting suffering. Satan will try to inflict injury and pain into your life. And I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but sometimes demons are the key influencers of depression. Suicidal thoughts. Feelings of desperation. Demons want to destroy your marriage. Demons want to crush your children. Demons want to ruin your testimony and wreck your finances. They want to obliterate your health. Demons want to crush every part of your life. Guys, this is not a game with a little red cartoon figure with little horns and a little tail and pitchfork. This is not a game. This is the forces of darkness that hate God, hate his kingdom, and most of all, hate you. It's not a game. Nothing is more valuable to God than you. You, every person under the sound of my voice, every person watching online, you are the apple of God's eye. Nothing is more valuable than you. Jesus came to rescue you. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell him he's talking to you. He came to rescue you. 
And so what do we do if we recognize today that maybe we are in a spiritual battle? Maybe what we're going through is spiritual in nature. What do we do? Well, here's the thing I want you to know. You have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. Man, we could go home right there. As we fight in this battle, we need to understand that we are not fighting with our power. We're fighting with his power. It's not that I've got to overcome the enemy in my own power and my own strength, but I'm actually standing in God's power. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. It has been prophesied over this house way too many times for me to back off of it. We have been anointed with the authority of God to cast out devils, heal the sick, and heal diseases. Bethesda is a place of healing. And we need to press into it. Not back down from it, but press into it. Someone say authority. I love this word. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, to heal sicknesses and disease. And and if I could unpack what that means, the best way I could explain it would be imagine, now you're really going to have to use your imagination. Imagine I'm a police officer. I knew you would laugh. And I'm a police officer, and I'm out in the middle of the highway, I got my little badge on that represents my authority, and an 18-wheeler is coming in my direction. And I tell the 18-wheeler to stop. Now, do I have the power physically to stop an 18-wheeler? I do not. He has the power to make me roadkill. Right? He has the power. But I'm not standing in my own power. It's not my physical power that will cause him to stop. It's the authority, not only that I've been given, but the authority that will also, if he doesn't stop, there's going to be some more people coming behind me to stop this joker, and his behind's going to end up in jail, right? So it's not my authority. Jesus has given you authority, even in my own life. When, when I don't have the power to defeat darkness, I don't have to declare my own power. I don't have to exercise my own power, but I call on a name, the name that is above every other name, that at that name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. I, I invoke that name into my circumstance. That's the authority. Listen, I've had opportunities on many occasions to cast out devils. And I know some of you, you've only watched movies. And you got all this weird stuff in your head. But I have been there. I have casted them out. I have watched them cast out. I have seen someone under the grip of a demonic influence 
who was angry and bitter and cussing one minute and in the next minute, not because of my authority, but because of the authority of Jesus, they are now sitting there in their right mind with the peace of God over their life. I have watched it happen. I have witnessed it happen. And here's what I, you don't have to be a pastor to operate in that. That is not for the pastor or the prophet or the apostle. That is for every person who is in Christ, you have been given authority over the powers of darkness. I wonder what would happen if we stopped complaining about our problems and we started exercising our authority. Oh, I need a church that can give God a real praise right there. A real praise. I know for some of us it's difficult to hear a message like this because you're hearing this and you're thinking, Pastor, I'm just trying to get through the day. Just trying to pay the bills. I got to get these dishes done. I got work stuff looming over me. And when I get in a circumstance like that, I just can't recall what, what you're teaching us and preach Like I just, I, I've got all these things in my life. I'm just trying to make it through the day. Sometimes because our lives are so fast-paced and so busy that when forces of darkness are coming against us, we don't even recognize it. We, we want to blame our spouse. We want to blame the kids or we want to blame the boss man, not understanding that the forces of darkness have been unleashed against us. And a lot of times we don't recognize the reason you have a marriage problem is because the demon has been trying to inflict division in the home. And so you're complaining about his underwear in the floor when you should just get on your knees and pray. Because sometimes it's not that he's doing anything wrong or you're doing anything wrong. It's the forces of darkness are attacking your house. The forces of darkness want to keep you dependent on a chemical, a substance, a lustful image, things to just help you get through another day. But I want to make this real applicable as I close it out. I want to give you two things that I think will help you Leave here and not just say, okay, how am I going to operate in that kind of authority and cast devils out and exercise? Like, I'm going to make this simple for you. Number one, don't assume every problem is a result of demonic influence. Okay? Don't assume every problem is a demon. Okay? Secondly, don't assume any problem isn't a result of demonic influence. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying don't assume every problem is, don't, don't assume any problem isn't. Anytime you have a problem, you have a problem. You have a battle. You have a mountain in front of you. So let, let's just break it down so you can grab it. If you're sick, go to the doctor. Be wise. Are you following? Be wise. Do what is natural. Get the help you need. But at the same time, Call on that name we've been preaching about and ask God to do the supernatural. You got to have faith to believe. If you're battling anxiety and you're having panic attacks, I recommend you talk to someone about that, but I also recommend that you pray that the power of the enemy that is keeping you in that bondage of fear be broken in the name of Jesus. 
I'm saying do what is natural, do what what is wise, but don't leave out the supernatural. If you're dealing with emotional suffering, someone has mistreated you or harmed you, I recommend talk to a counselor, but at the same time pray for deliverance from demonic forces that are holding you hostage to that soul tie. Do what is right, do what is wise, but also invoke the name of Jesus. Listen, parents, if you have a rebelling child, be a wise parent. Take their phone away. Take it away. They will live. Watch their behavior change. Take it away. Do what's wise. Monitor their friends. Do all the steps, but also pray that the Holy Spirit get a hold of their heart and that their lives are radically changed by the power of God. Do what is wise. Do what is natural, but pray the fire of God on them. Do what's natural, but also pray for the supernatural. If you're dealing with alcohol or drugs, and yes, people that attend here deal with alcohol and drugs. People that are watching deal with alcohol and drugs. We're so glad you're here. You're welcome here. Welcome home. Do the 12-step program, but also let's pray for deliverance from the bondage. Do what you need to do, but don't leave out the supernatural. Why? Because we've been given power over the forces of darkness. You don't have to be a pastor to operate in that authority. You don't have to be a leader in a church to operate in that authority. If you are in Christ, Pastor Charles, they they have the authority. If they've been saved, they have the authority. If you know Jesus, you don't have to take another lick from the devil. You don't have to be a punching bag for the the forces of darkness. You don't have to take it. Man, I'm so tired of churches being weak and anemic because they're so dependent on a pastor or an apostle. Man, I want to see the people of God rally and come under the umbrella of the anointing of God and be the church, be the hands and feet of Christ, cast out devils, heal the sick. Come on, somebody. Diseases can't stand in his presence. We need the people of God to walk in this. Go ahead and stand. I'm about done. I got there quicker than I thought I would. So, so when it comes to darkness, what, what is darkness? We have power over the forces of darkness. What is darkness? Let me tell you first off what darkness is not. Darkness is not the opposite of light. It's not the opposite of light. So many people think darkness is the opposite of light. It's not the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. It's a big, 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 big deal. Why is that a big deal? If you're in Christ, the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. And if you're in Christ, the light of Christ dwells within you. The Bible says in John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Woo! Never. 
extinguish it. Anytime there is spiritual darkness in an atmosphere, as the people of God, when you walk into that room, darkness has to go. Why? Because light has just shown up. If I could get you to see your heavenly position in Christ today, you will leave this place and you'll start operating in authority. Listen, you'll start speaking it verbally. When you really have what I'm preaching, it comes out of your mouth. When you don't have what I'm preaching, you know what comes out of your mouth? Defeat, frustration, fear, anxiety, torment, everybody's against me. But when you have what I'm talking about, faith starts coming out. Faith starts calling those things that are not as though they already are. Who receives that word today? You receive that word today. When you battle with this in your spirit, at the end of the battle, somebody needs to hear me. You won't be laying there defeated. Paul said, when he talked about this battle, he said that you'll, at the end of the battle, you'll still be standing. The devil has tried to convince some of you that this is it, it's over, you're left for dead, nothing's going to change. Well, I came to announce to you and to the forces of darkness that at the end of this battle, you will not be laying there dead, but you'll still be standing in the promises of God because we, we can experience miracles of deliverance. Come on, give him a real praise right now. The God that does miracles. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. No one looking around for just a moment. If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, as your, your Lord, the Lord of your life, I want to give you that opportunity today, whether you're watching online or in this room today. If you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. I need to repent of my sins and make things right with God. If that is you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? I'm not going to embarrass anyone. But, but you say, I, I need to make that change today. Anyone at all, you would say, that's me. Thank you for this hand back here. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, that's me, Pastor. I need to make some things right with God. Anyone else? Let's pray together. Everybody lift your voice. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, into my life. Save me and change me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give them a round of applause. Come on, you can do better than that. Give God a praise on their behalf. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. I'm going to ask our prayer team and staff to come forward. We're going to do one more worship song. But let me give you some instructions here. We want to pray for you. If you have an area of need, any area of need in your life where you need God to move, listen, we want you to come 
and receive prayer today. How many of you know there's power in agreement? We want you to receive that. Now, I, I want to give one more piece of instruction. Don't get in a hurry to leave because after this song, after this worship song, I'm going to be coming back to make an announcement, all right? And so I don't want you to rush out and miss it. I want you to be here for it. So hit your neighbor and say, don't go anywhere. Amen? Come on, tell somebody else, don't go anywhere. All right, let's give God one more praise before we sing. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. We'll catch you on the next episode, and we hope you have a great day.